disappeared in a most convenient way. Now your troubles are gone, his insurance will surely pay. You get to the bank, but the cops say, whoa, who are you going to die when they lock you down? All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is It's All Good, Man, the Better Better Call Saul podcast. I'm Brian, and of course, I'm here with my co-host, Dave. Dave, how are you doing this evening? I'm pretty good, ready to get this show on the road. Finally, right? I know, right? Finally, we've we've been planning this for like four weeks, Mm -hmm. did a few uh, episodes with a lot of speculation, and here we are. We finally saw the premiere of Better Call Saul. That's right. Yeah, quick quick impression. What what did you think, Dave? I thought that it, it laid a pretty decent foundation mm-hmm. for what the show is going to be about. Yeah, it introduced all, not all, some, but not all of the main characters mm-hmm. that we're going to be seeing, and just kind of uh, where Jimmy McGill's mindset is, you know, right. to start the journey, basically. You know, we kind of talked about how the tone of the show was going to be, and um, I guess tonally and. How it was going to compare it to Breaking Bad, and I noticed a lot, a lot of parallels. Um, mm-hmm. There, there was a lot of the like dead space with like the ambient noise in the background. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like a lot of silent action, and then just kind of the natural noises that occurs from that was kind of painting the picture. Right. Like, um, like in the episode, uh, the first, first and second episode of Breaking Bad, there was like a couple scenes where they were eating breakfast or eating lunch together, and. Nothing was really going on except for they were eating it, but it kind of added to the atmosphere without um, without any um, like dialogue or yeah, without any dialogue or speech. Or, yeah. A lot of that happened at the at the beginning of this uh, show as well. Yeah, and I I, I really like the uh, the opening song, "Address Unknown." I thought that was a pretty good choice because yeah, that's I noticed that I thought I totally thought um, when they released a Junior Brown song, "Better Call Saul," that was obviously just a big marketing yeah. thing. They they. I was under the impression that was going to be the theme, so I was surprised that. That's that what they I thought too. I mean, you never know what if they have future plans for it or anything. But I definitely really liked the, uh, I guess you would call it the opening credits or the opening, mm. the title scene. How it was just like this really crappy, shittily done title <laughs> shot, and then it just cuts off. It's not even faded out. Like it's literally just chopped off, and then the show starts. Right. Yeah. It looked. It looked like the kind of, um, the kind of like on screen gra- graphics you would get. Like if you went to a mall like 10 years ago and you did karaoke with your friends over right. like one of the hits of the day <laughs> and <laughs> and it was just like a really shitty gra- the graphics that like were, were kind of like staticky and, and mm-hmm. definitely not like HD like you see now like right. it was just the colors contrasted so much they bled into each other right but it also fit Saul's low budget commercials you yeah know, he throws in the VHS tape like, right, he doesn't have it on DVD this is 2001 somewhere so these tapes were made somewhere Along the line between 2001 and now, these tapes were made. They were made. They were made yeah. during the time. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So if you go back to because they're Saul Goodman ads, but they, he's Jimmy McGill still. Right, right, right. So the the beginning it opened as everybody thought it would. He was working at the Cinnabon. The Cinnabon. Yeah, I, I uh, put a nice got a nice picture of him with the mustache and the heavy yeah. glasses, <laughs> the disguise, almost looking yeah. a little bit like Walter White there for. A yeah, minute. absolutely. Yeah. See, I. I wonder if, like, subconsciously, they're trying to draw parallels, like just like kind I think of little so. wink, winks and nods to yeah, and like um, how he's kind of he's starting this journey to help financially help a medical situation. Mm-hmm. You know, Waltz was all about his own. This is about his brothers. But I didn't even I didn't even like really pick up on that. But that's that's a good point. Yeah, um, what I what I also liked about the opening was uh, one, it was black and white. I thought that was a good choice. It was kind of a 
a cool way to show present day, I think, and differentiate yeah. it between the rest of the. Because like I, then, I related it to like a memento thing where they're mm-hmm. gonna in memento whenever they show two different time frames, they show one black and white, one in color, mm-hmm. something like that. One of the little touches I liked about as, as he was uh, preparing food at the Citibun is how nervous he was at the menacing looking gentleman that was kind of looking his way. Right. I, I think it was kind of like uh, I'm a looking over my back, you know, looking over my my shoulder kind of deal. Yeah, because I'm sitting there thinking like, who does he think that is, or you know, who mm-hmm. sent that guy? Yeah, right. And then it ends up the guy was just waiting for, for his family outside the mall, and he totally over overthought it. Right. And you know, as as bigger gentleman, I mean, who hasn't been in that situation mm-hmm. where someone you know he's walking towards somebody and they're like, who's this guy? Right. And then <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then after after the the cinnamon, it shows him. Going home to what is his new bachelor pad, I guess, mm, so to speak. Yeah, his new days. And one of the things I like, too, is his his keepsake box was hidden very much in the same fashion that he had the secret safe in his office in Breaking Bad. Remember, there was like a panel on the wall I pulled off, and there was a safe behind there? Right, right. Uh, very much the same concept. And it was also, that could be another parallel to Breaking Bad, because Walt had something very similar too with the crate and the baby's nursery to hide his belongings behind the wall as well. Also, the uh, insulation in the garage too, but it was always like in a wall. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that means anything or that's just like a really simplistic, easy place to hide shit. Yeah, probably. But you can't help but with the way that these shows are structured and kind of the reputation that Breaking Bad garnered, you can't help but try to make those parallels, especially since they're two related shows. Right. And you, it just seems like they. I don't know if that's lazy writing or. If that's what they want to do, so it's like putting their stamp on things, right? Yeah, like you it's know? just like little little tropes they keep going back to that are kind of like their signature, right? Stylistic consistencies and such, right? Absolutely, and I, I love that he was watching his his old commercials, kind of reliving the glory days, right? Yeah, that was a nice way to kind of trigger to trigger that and be like, here's the flashback coming, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then and then and then that's when it cut to the title screen, right? Then it cut from that to the title screen, which was. Pretty just like, oh, here it is. Okay, now let's move on. Right. You know, yeah, no big preamble or hullabaloo about the title. Just They just started the show. Yeah, which I guess, well, Breaking Bad had a whopping, like, what? Their their thing was just like a couple notes on like a, yeah, <laughs> right? And then it just went right into the show. So at least they're, they're keeping time. I am kind of sad there was no Junior Brown, though. I, I yeah. was really kind of hoping to see how, how they uh, made that work within the show, but. I mean, it could be like over the closing credits, but we didn't really stick around for the closing credits, did we? No, absolutely not. No, we should, but probably should have done that. <laughs> there might have been even more after the credits. I know there, there. Yeah, there was probably like an additional scene, yeah. <laughs> additional scene, and we walk, we uh, walked to the refrigerator to get a beer, and then all of a sudden came back and Talking Dead <laughs> was yeah. playing. So we probably missed a really integral t- part. So if you're out there listening and we missed something, please let us know. Okay, so the first case. We were both yep. way off on our predictions of what we thought the first case would be. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it would be something, I thought it would be a misdemeanor or something stupid. But Right, uh, right. I thought it'd be like a slip and fall. Right. Something like that. But um, no. No, uh, this it, is straight up necrophilia. Right, yeah. I would never I would never <laughs> guess teenagers cutting the head off a corpse and then putting their dick in it. <laughs> Criminal trespassing, technically. Yeah. Which is weird because you think that's something so obvious that I to- that we would have totally picked up on. <laughs> but not at all. And so, I like the I like the fact that in that scene and later on it keeps showing him talking himself up. Right. You know. Like almost like shadow boxing like right. like we're like getting getting ready to go. I so wanted to make a uh, 
There's a, uh, for some reason I was reminded of like in Liar Liar with Jim Carrey when he, <laughs> when he kicks his own ass in the bathroom. <laughs> He's trying to get out of it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I did enjoy the tactic of when he finally burst into the the courtroom and he had a lot of confidence in, mm-hmm. and he kind of put the decision on the shoulders of the jurors. Right. Right. Like try to like, like impose guilt on them before, <laughs> before right. they showed the tape of what actually uh, was going to transpire. Yeah. And just the whole, I really like the fact that they keep kind of showing that his confidence and his swagger really is fake. Like he has to pump himself up. Right. He's to totally, get into the zone. He's like playing. Yeah. He's playing he, a character. Playing a character. Yeah. Trying to be something that he just naturally isn't. Right. So then. Oh, wait, wait. I also wanted to say, though, I did like the fact that in regards to the last point about talking himself up, that he drives a Ford Esteem. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> if I'm reading too deep into the puns behind the writers, you know, like, he can't even buy a Steam. Or he can't even afford a Steam. He can't even afford a Steam, and he drives a Ford Esteem. <laughs> that's pretty good. I remember you said that as we were watching that. I would have never picked up on that. Yeah, that's kind of, I've been looking for stuff like that. Ever since Saul Goodman, the first time I saw the first ad for Saul Goodman on Breaking Bad, I've been looking for little puns and things like mm-hmm. that for that character. And, and it's funny because, really, i got to be honest, until you... Explain that to me when we were thinking of the name for the podcast. Mm-hmm. I totally never picked up on that. It's all good, man. Like, I totally <laughs> never got that. One of the little things I do. Yep. So so then it appears a um, couple things going on, right? Like, he he is actually Jimmy McGill. We thought yeah. we, we were all kind of betting on the fact that maybe that was a pseudonym. Maybe that wasn't. Right. That was that was something imposed on him because of something else he did previous. Like, remember with Ed the Disappear, we thought maybe he would come into play. Right. And hopefully he still does in the show. That'd be cool. But we thought, but, uh, we thought that he might have been given the name Jimmy right. McGill. But no, it turns out that is his actual name. His birth name. And we, I don't even know why we didn't pick up on it when we were reading the character list last episode. His brother's name was Chuck McGill. Well, you know. But the thing about that, though, is... We didn't really know much about the brother, too, right? So it, right, because has, also they're located in Albuquerque, but he tells a story about growing up in Cicero. Or he, no, he doesn't say grew up in Cicero, though. He just says that he lived in Cicero. He lived in Cicero. Time. And obviously he's familiar with the city because he specifically mentioned uh, Michigan State. Avenue and State Street, right, right. which are two intersecting roads in uh, downtown Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so he has his... <laughs> he has his own little law firm in the back room of of uh, an Asian like nail, nail shop. Salon, like he's like yeah. renting out the like janitorial closet, like right next to the water heater. <laughs> right, a law corporation. <laughs> yeah, and then in contrast to that, his brother, uh, his brother was an integral part of building he's a partner a, in a law firm. Yeah, multi multi million dollar law firm, but now his his brother doesn't. It has some weird ailment that's keeping Which, him at home. Yeah, they didn't specify, but, I mean, he's got some ailment that he's fighting, and he needs to stay away from the electromagnetic fields, which I'm thinking is going to probably come into play. Think so? Yeah, with all the, the snooping and spying that goes around with lawyers and shows like this, you know, keep mm-hmm. trying to keep all electronics away from somebody. Well, I think maybe that, well, a couple things come to mind with that. On the previews, and I didn't catch it in the premiere, uh, I, I might have blinked, but in the in the preview trailers that AMC came out with, you can actually see Chuck cover himself with like a foil blanket ah, at one time. Okay, and you know, like they say, like a conspiracy theorist, you know, put on your tinfoil hat so the so the government can't hear your thoughts. Right. So they kind of set it up in my mind like it was like a physical ailment, but I don't think it is. Maybe it's like a psychological ailment that's affecting him 
physically. Hmm. Right? Because they keep talking about... Psychosomatic? If you will. <laughs> but they, <laughs> but, but they, they keep talking about like how he's going to beat it, how he's going to beat it, how he's going to beat it. But if it's a mental thing, he's probably never going to beat it. They did say it was an ailment, right? Not he's beating a rap or anything. No, it's like some sort of weird... Yeah. But but maybe that all came about because of something that he was doing, but I don't think that fit with this character and what we know about it so far. Right. Because one of the contrasts that I also picked up on is, is remember, we talked about in, in the preview episodes that we did, like, the thing about Saul is that he was kind of like a dishonest shithead to begin with. Right. But his brother seems to genuinely, thus far, genuinely care about his clients. It seems like he is actually... A really good guy. He's he got the he, integrity. He right, yeah. He doesn't want to take the buyout because he's worried about the employees right. and the clients and what the long-term effects it would have on the law firm, remember? Because he was worried about, like, well, what what then? It shuts down, and Saul's like, well, who gives a shit? Yeah, you're taken care of, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. So it'll be interesting to see how those two, um, especially now that it, Saul's kind of starting to, Jimmy is starting to become... Saul, right? Because mm-hmm. he, he had the two twins that he set up for right. the 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 hidden run, which we could talk about later when it comes up. But that strikes me as something that, from what little we know about Chuck, probably Chuck would never have a part of. Right. Right. And there's already a little tension between the two characters, mm-hmm. uh, just because they have very different views of the world. Right. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how that comes into play when those two things kind of collide, you know, Chuck is like a legit good guy lawyer and Saul is all about the money. You know, it's, right. it's, it's the only thing, right? Right. Cause he's pissed off the $700 for a public defender and to see how those two things uh, fight up against each other. Well, that's right. Cause he said, uh, money is the point was the, the quote that I took away from that. Right. Yeah. Where Chuck's like, money's not the point. He's like, no money is the point. Right. So establishing early, right. You know, there, there are definitely two different people that see that do not see eye and, to eye at all. And I was wondering if if uh, if Chuck knows about that twenty six thousand dollar check. Yeah, they never really you know, addressed that, right? So like, Jimmy rips it up. He feels insulted by it. He says, "No, you got to buy him out." Chuck says, "I don't want to want to be bought out." Here's a stipend. So he got something, and the dude uh, Hamlin had already just been to his house, mm-hmm. but they never mentioned if Chuck knows about that twenty six. Right? Yeah, check. Hamlin gave Chuck an eight hundred sixty seven dollar check or something like that as mm-hmm. as yeah his stipend. So I want maybe, maybe they're setting it up there. They already kind of have a tense relationship, even though the two brothers obviously care for each other very much. Mm-hmm. But it's obvious that Chuck really cares for the law firm, right? So I wonder if like the twenty six thousand dollars could be used as a means to drive a wedge between Saul and Chuck mm-hmm. to the advantage of the law firm, right? Right. Because when Saul confronted them and brought in the, the torn up check, dropped it on the table, the the whole point from that conversation I got was, why, why don't you just take the fucking money and shut up? Right. Right. But Saul was like, no, I think my brother deserves more, mm-hmm. which I kind of took as like, yeah, he's kind of doing his brother a solid, but he'd also like a piece of that action right, too. Yeah, he, the bigger piece his brother right? gets, the bigger piece he But gets. he's trying to play it off like he's being all magnanimous. and Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But maybe... Maybe Hamlin knows that eventually he can get enough money in the hands of Saul that he can basically work his temptations, and Saul will eventually take the money, and then Hamlin can go back to Chuck and say, well, look, I've been giving you a stipend, and now your brother just stole tens of thousands of dollars for you. Ah, yeah. Yes, yes. 
Because I, I, I see Hamlin as being a shady character. Right, yeah. Because, I mean, there's, what, three things at play. There, there's Saul, who's all about the money. The brother, who's all about the law firm. Mm-hmm. And what it appears is that Hamlin is all about keeping money within the law firm, right? Right. Because otherwise he would just cash them out, or he, I'm sure he'd give them a bigger stipend than $867, right. especially when he just sent Saul a check for 26000 So maybe he's banking that Saul's greed because Saul is um, having a hard time financially. Maybe, you know, maybe next time it'll be 30-some thousand. Maybe right. eventually it'll become so much. Until he can't refuse it. Until he can't refuse it. And then he right. tries to justify it, and then that'll that'll break you know, that'll break the relationship between Chuck and Saul. Yeah. Interesting way to go with that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing we could talk about were the two twins, right? We, uh, very early in this show, they mm-hmm. tried to set Saul up for basically a shakedown. Right. They made it look like he was hit by the car, um, broke his leg, started demanding like a measly 500 bucks. Right. Saul immediately recognizes it, pick him off the ground and calls him on their shit. Right. Right. And flips and, it around to, now you owe me for my windshield. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. And, and then they take off. Sal, um, Sal tracks him down to a skate park, mm-hmm. which I think is, uh, the way that that was delivered was one of the funniest moments where they said, how did you find us? It pans out, it's a giant skate park. Yeah. And he's just like, wow, yeah, I know, right? Crazy. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> Shot in the dark on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's great. But then he ends up making a deal with them, like, hey, let's set up a very similar scenario. Mm-hmm. I have a whale. You know, kind of like gambling the whale is some you know a high high money target. Right. You know, I have a whale who is the the people who are currently in trouble for embezzlement. Right. 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 The, yeah, the I think it was the county treasurer. Yeah, the county and treasurer. His wife. Right. There, his he's accused of embezzling one point six because they they come off of these really uptight, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uptight people that would probably do something like that. Just throw some money at it to you know. Right. Speaking, speaking of which, on, on a side note, when when Saul was trying to lock down his services for them, right? Like when he was trying to get the contract signed, mm-hmm. they hesitated and didn't sign the contract. Right. And it showed it showed Saul's face like he was like just sitting there thinking, come on, sign it, come right. on, sign it, come on, sign it, come on, sign it. And I wrote down in my notes uh, as that was happening was – because the money, money's the only thing, right? And mm-hmm. the lawyers typically get a percentage of, typically get a percentage of money that they bring in from their settlements, right? right? And that how lawyers work. A lot of times, you can I don't do know. That. I've never had to use a lawyer, <laughs> but you know what I mean. He was probably looking for, um, you know, for your defense if if we win or you know I get X amount of money, you know, and mm-hmm. and so he was probably hoping for a good chunk of that one point six million. Yeah. Well, the feeling I got. From when when Saul is he's got that nervous gulp and he's he's just like sign it sign it sign mm-hmm. it. I was thinking like this is this is his first high profile case like mm-hmm. this is the case that can establish him as a legit attorney. Oh, gotcha. You know, okay. so I'm sure he see, it, it is motivated by dollar signs, but this is like the thing that leads to the other thing. Like I, this is I where he was going to step out of his brother's shadow and be right. legit. Yeah, like I'm taking on this big case. I'm taking on the county. This is when old Jimmy McGill's going to be somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy McGill from The Simpsons. Right. <laughs> so I guess, I guess to jump back, so he he, uh, he finds the twins at the, the skate park, comes up with more elaborate version of the scam that they tried to pull on him mm-hmm. and told his story about Slippin' Jimmy. <laughs> Slippin' Jimmy. Slippin' Jimmy, a slip and fall artist, which kind of made me happy because one of my predictions uh, predictions was is uh, that he'd be involved in that that kind of case 
But right. actually, it turns out he he apparently used to cause those <laughs> those yeah. kind of litigation. <laughs> So he used to get through the winter. I was so hoping for a flashback at that point that would show him actually going through those. Yeah, like, that'd be pretty cool. Like setting those up. But no, alas. No. no. So there was this, uh, so the, then this great scene, they set up the brown station wagon mm-hmm. for the, for the, you know. What uh, color was the station wagon? Wasn't it like Sagewood Brown or something? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Okay. All right, so they set up the elaborate ruse where uh, once again, they're going to do the skateboard Scam, he's going to slide right into the front of a car, turn in the corner, and it happens. He falls over, and there's a long period of time between when he made impact with the car and the woman never got out of the car, right? And he was like, what the hell is taking so long? Uh, yeah, doesn't she care about other people or, you know? Like <laughs> right, I, I believe it was like, what the hell is she doing, making a sandwich? And then she takes off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is awesome because it sets up exactly what we talked about a few times, which was who was... Uh, the big Breaking Bad character that was going to make his appearance. And right. I, I originally thought Hank. We had many listeners who thought it was going to be Marie. Mm-hmm. And you and Tim actually thought it was going to be Tuco. Right. At first I did, yes. And then I went on record to changing my prediction. Right. And then and then it ends up being Tuco. <laughs> it ends up being Tuco. And the moment I knew it was Tuco was uh, it had the scene with the camera looking straight up and pulling Jimmy inside. Mm-hmm. And he was wearing like that crazy floral shirt with the cuffs he wore something very similar in, in breaking bad as okay. soon as that happened i didn't say it because i didn't want to be wrong <laughs> but but i was like i was thinking oh that's tuco that's him which is a great way of, of bringing it in so i guess now when they pick up the second episode we're gonna see essentially tuco has three hostages <laughs> right in, in his house yeah three hostages in his house and i was thinking i was just trying to just now thinking about how there was an older lady that was driving the car, mm-hmm. maybe like his aunt or grandma or something. Mm-hmm. And then he was always taking care of his uncle in Breaking Bad. Ah. So I don't know. So Could maybe so maybe of, his um maybe his uncle's in the house as well. Maybe something like that. Like 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 she hit the kid and then she's she stopped for a minute and was thinking, Where do I what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Well, go to Tuco because he knows how to handle these sort of situations. Right, she knows he's in involved in things like that. Right, absolutely. And that and that was the end of the first episode, setting it up for uh, tomorrow night. Right. And I had completely forgotten that they were going to reveal a major character. I was just kind of watching the show, not even thinking about that. Really? So. Yeah, see, with the major, I, the whole time I'm like, all right, when, when are they going to show Hank? I'm like, come on, <laughs> something's going to happen. Like, I, I thought it was going to happen when we first saw Mike, mm-hmm. which, what the funny thing about Mike is that they actually showed more of Mike in the preview trailers. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to there's be probably in the second episode. Right. Because there's that whole altercation. Mike <laughs> physically... Beats on Saul, you know. Right, and and oh man, they they totally pulled one over on me because the whole time when that scene was going on, he was telling him to go back and get the other stickers, mm-hmm. and he was walking out. He's like, oh, and he's clapping and totally mocking him. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, well, we know what's going to happen next. He's going to go over there, poke his finger, and then Mike's going to beat the shit out of him. Right, and I thought that'd be the first time we'd actually see more of his. Uh, uh, slimy persona where he could talk his way out of anything mm-hmm. because I figured he was going to cross the line. Mike was going to beat his ass, and then he's somehow going to convince Mike not to beat his ass, right? Uh, just by being, you know, by using his golden tongue, right? And then it didn't happen. He just kind of, like, uh, you know, the, the just kind of went on to the next thing. But you know, the AMC preview trailers totally show the altercation. So mm-hmm. they did a lot of good things like that because a, a, a lot of times I was like, okay, so this is going to happen next, or this is how it happens to next, or is this going to happen? Like. Hank. I was so sure it was going to be Hank. And I'm like, all right, I'm like, Hank's going to show up somewhere. You know, and even in the beginning, 
I was at, when they were in the courtroom and it showed like three teenagers. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh shit! Like, see, these kids are on drugs or something like that, and this is going to be the first time we see Hank. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, well, that's not like really all that awesome of a reveal because because it happens that if it happened at the beginning, it would lose all of its punch. But it didn't. The big reveal happened at the very end with Tuco, which is what I heard is that it was going to be at the very end. And I think I did read something that it was a Mexican cartel link mm-hmm. in the spoiler that I read. Right. <laughs> so, well, either way, it was, uh, um, you know, good call on your part. I he, oh, you. see uh, Tim. If you remember, Tim joined us for the the last episode, episode three, yeah. and and he was totally he was totally spot on. You got to give the kid credit. He mm-hmm. he was totally spot on because he said, "I don't think they're going to try to pull that much wool over your eyes." I think his basic point was, is I think people are looking too much into it. They're not going to do anything crazy. It's going to be somebody who would make sense. And I, I guess I was kind of going for the shock factor. I'm like, no, it, it has to be something. And some of our listeners who predicted, like Marie, mm-hmm. like, you know. Because law, law breaking. She broke the law. law right, yeah. Because, uh, you know, steal shit from realtors for whatever. Yeah. <laughs> for whatever, Stole spoons from realtors at open houses or whatever <laughs> her, her criminal plan was. Um, so I, I, uh, what, what are your predictions for the next episode? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued with how this is going to turn out because the impression I got is the lady driving the car was the housekeeper for this couple mm-hmm. who have a huge boat, like Saul said, sticks out like a sore thumb. Right. You know, it's a big eyesore who's in, you know, in this money laundering investigation mm-hmm. and now Tuco's involved and we know where Tuco's going to at least end up later on with the whole meth trade and that stuff. Right. So I'm thinking that this might be the case that Maybe even to protect himself from Suko, like beginning next episode, he might be like, "No, my name's Saul Goodman." Oh, you think you that know, might be where he comes? It might up be with something it? like that. And these these are all going to intertwine, I think. And this might be kind of where the well, the, and that, that'd goes. be a good point for it to intertwine too, because remember his his brother told him how he should go out and make his own because mm-hmm. of the misprint on the match the right. matchboxes. He should go out and make his own identity. So maybe that'll be the crux that pushes him into becoming Saul Goodman because. He's like, oh shit! I I gotta at least like shield my true identity from this crazy. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, because the lady didn't speak English, so they're like holding the gun, and he goes, "Whoa, it's all good, man!" And then the lady's like, "Saul Goodman." Oh yeah. man! <laughs> <laughs> That'd be odd. And then the light bulb goes off, yeah. and then like it comes back to what Chuck said, like, "Hey, establish your own identity." Right. You know, and then he already has the scam going with these. With these two kids, and so that it's a you know pretty good basis for for the character. I, yeah. I like how they didn't do anything really all that obvious, and I, yeah. I can't believe I missed something as obvious as um, teenagers cutting the head off a corpse and uh, putting their wiener in it. Right. <laughs> what if there's some kind of uh, some kind of uh, metaphor for something? I- <laughs> <laughs> so we did have a commenter um, on our iTunes page, Rule of Three who uh, claim to be frustrated by our lack of knowledge and, and misspeaking about character names and such. Mm-hmm. So I just want to go on record and take onus for that, especially since my mistaking of character names led me to predict the actual reveal. <laughs> <laughs> so score one for me. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to happen, and we don't claim to be experts in... in well, see, I think, I think that's the beauty of what we're trying to do. The whole point of It's All Good, Man, is we are not the podcast that's going to be super analytical and super deep about most things. I'm not going to hit up Wikipedia and Instagram and look for every little tying note. Right. Dave and I are your buddies that hang out with you and have a few beers after the show is played. Mm -hmm. And that's why we love 
that kind of participation. We want right. those kind of comments. We want discussion. We right. want your predictions. We want you to tell us what you think sucks. We want you to tell us what you think is awesome. Right. We're, we're not, we're not, uh, you know, we, we don't have inside sources. We're probably not going to give any real scoops. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. But you want to talk about uh, Better Call Saul? We want to talk about Better Call Saul. At the end of every episode, let's just have a few beers, sit down, and let's talk about it together. We're, we're your buddies on the couch. Right. And, you know, and even that commenter said that they like the rest of it. And uh, I'm really digging like the comments, especially people have noticed that we want participation from yeah. our, our audience. Absolutely. Um, for the next episode, which we're actually going to record tomorrow night, mm-hmm. I actually have a whole list of you folks out there who've sent in comments and such. I didn't get to putting it together today, but uh, we'll definitely give you some shout outs tomorrow, including one awesome dude who's going to be our man on the street in Albuquerque. ABQ? Yeah. He, <laughs> he lives in Albuquerque. Um, he lives in Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico, and he hit us up over Facebook and said, hey, I'm a fan of the show. I can't wait for Better Call Saul. What can I do to help you with the podcast? And I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah, which is which is super awesome. I'm like, dude, I don't know. I can't pay you for shit, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I'll take pictures of locations. And he sent me some cool locations, which I'm going to try to get up on the website tomorrow. It's SaulGoodman.com, mm-hmm. uh, spelled exactly how it sounds, just like the name of the show, without like apostrophes and such. But he took some really cool pictures of what it's like around Albuquerque right now. Like he sent me a, uh, he sent me um, a. You know, the billboard, Better Call Saul. And then he sent me a picture that he took of an awesome Jimmy McGill uh, billboard. Nice. And then there was also a billboard that said, don't call Saul. <laughs> so I wonder if that's like some competing <laughs> agency or or if it's just some like local people who are sick of the filming <laughs> and, and, and uh, putting that up. And then he also sent me a really cool picture of what the current day, uh, current day location that they use for Saul's office in Breaking Bad is. It's oh, actually cool. Currently, it's a bar called Hooligans. So if uh, if you work at Hooligans and you want to be on the podcast, please hit me <laughs> up, let me know, because that's hilarious. Um, but that's the kind of participation that we're really trying to foster. That's, that's what we want to do. Me and Dave feel that this is your show as much as it is ours. Right. Right? That's fair, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Speaking of participation, the question for this episode is up on Twitter at ISGM Podcast. That's on Twitter. Hit us up. The question is, what would you call Sawfar? Did you get a parking ticket? Did you kill a hooker in Vegas? Do you have a library book that you haven't returned in 15 years? Does your dog poop in your neighbor's yard? (laughs) (laughs) We... <laughs> if it did, we want to know why you would call Saul. Make sure to hit us up. So, and, and if you happen to come across a uh, six-string electric acoustic Washburn guitar with a third octave sticker by the bridge, <laughs> <laughs> that was stolen from Dave like what, like five years ago? Pretty sure it was in some meth dealer's house for a while. So yeah, about four years ago, it was stolen from me. So let me know and send it back to me. Thank you. <laughs> Mail it to one two three Fake Street. All right, so that's going to conclude uh, the the premiere episode episode of It's All Good, Man. I'm Brian. That's Dave. Please participate. Join the conversation. Call us idiots. Call us geniuses. Whatever. Just call us. You heard me. You better call